we were singing a beautiful chant which describes the principal temples of Vrindavan, the holy land where Lord Sri Krishna revealed in this world the most confidential and intimate pastimes of the spiritual world. Beyond this material world, the earth planet that we live, within this material world, there are many higher planets or heavenly planets. By performing great pious activities in the form of charity, sacrifice, by living very strictly a pious life free of sins, one can be elevated to the stratum of existence in which one lives perhaps millions or billions of years depending on which particular planet. Free of disease, free of old age, where all pleasures are so intense, they are literally millions of times more satisfying than the pleasures of this earth because we are given a heavenly body which has a far greater capacity to enjoy. The amount of pleasure that our flesh can enjoy by touching something or our eyes can enjoy by seeing something or our tongue by tasting or our ears by hearing or our nose by smelling is very limited. But in these higher worlds, our bodies are so powerful and so far superior that they can enjoy millions of times greater. And there is no reactions in this world to the degree you enjoy to the degree you suffer when it's lost. But there the forms of enjoyment are never lost until all of your pious credits have been consumed by your enjoying and pleasurable life. And then you have to come back down to this earthly planet. Therefore, Krishna says in the Gita, Abrahma bhuvana loka punar avartam arjuna mamupetya tukonteya punar janmana vidyate. From the highest planet in this material world 
down to the lowest hellish existence, they are all places of misery. Because Dukalayam Ashashwatam, everything is temporary. Factually, even if you live millions and billions of years in the heavenly worlds, when your time has come to give it all up, it's not going to be any easier. As a matter of fact, it's going to be much more difficult and painful than when you have to give it up after 70 or 80 years in this world. The pain of death is everywhere. Martyloka. This universe is a place where death is all pervasive. Therefore, the scriptures tell us, do not be content with the enjoyments of this world, however great they are. Do not even aspire for them. Yehi samsparashucha bhoga dhuka jonaya evate atyanta pantakontaya this means that an intelligent man does not take part in the sources of misery which are born of sense enjoyment because he knows they have a beginning and an end. Therefore, many aspire after the stage which is beyond this material world called mukti. Mukti is liberation from karma, freedom from the cycle of action and reaction, where we realize that it is utter ignorance, foolishness, to try to enjoy any position in this world. In that state, which is called the Brahma Jyoti, or the spiritual sky, there is pure existence. But still, the heart is not satisfied because the heart is longing to love. And in the condition of mukti, there is bliss of freedom of suffering. There is the bliss of experiencing eternality. But there is no reciprocation of love. Within the spiritual sky are the planets called Vaikuntas. And there resides the various forms of Narayan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And there he is eternally reciprocating loving relationships with his devotees. In that world, there is no beginning, there is no end, there is no birth and there is no death. Everyone is immersed in the opulent surroundings of the Lord's kingdom as his servant. The great joy and the great pleasure of love can now be tasted forever. But of the Vaikuntha planets, according to the Shastra, the highest, where the sweet, sweetest exchange of love is provided, is the planet of Goloka, Vrindavan. That is where Lord Sri Krishna, playing upon his flute, is simply attracting everyone's mind in spontaneous 
affection. And in that planet, those who have excelled the degree of love of Vaikuntha, where everyone is cognizant that Narayan is the supreme god and I am his servant. In Vrindavan, the love is so strong that it completely covers the conception that Krishna is God. In that love, we simply, with all freedom, love him as a friend or love him as our child or as a lover. The great authorities, Acharyas, have categorically described the whole spectrum of material and spiritual existence in this way. But what about us who are trying to enjoy the pleasures of this world, birth after birth after birth, and constantly finding frustration, disappointment, and illusion? For us, Lord Sri Krishna has descended into this world, but not alone. He has brought his confidential associates from that planet of Goloka Vrindavan. In fact, he has brought the planet itself. But spiritual world is different than material world. Krishna can bring Goloka Vrindavan to every universe within creation, and at the same time it remains where it is in the spiritual sky in full. Krishna manifested the highest experience of love of Vrindavan in this world. And factually this place is still existing. It is only 90 miles southeast of Delhi. But you cannot get there by airline ticket or railway ticket. You can go and you can see it. But what are you seeing? You are seeing the shadow of Vrindavan. But to see the real substance cannot be done with your eyes. It can only be seen through the heart. When the heart is in the spirit of the residence of Vrindavan, the spirit of bhakti or devotion, then we can perceive Vrindavan, not only 90 miles southeast of Delhi, but right within our own home. Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur has prayed that when I return home from work at night, I see every evening that my house is transformed into Goloka Vrindavan. Now, if an ordinary guest were to visit his house, they would not see it like that. Because one is seeing with their eyes, and one is seeing with the heart. Through the eyes, but with the heart. <clears throat> and
And what does it mean to be in Vrindavan? There is a beautiful story. Uh, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, who appeared just 500 years ago, came to give the gift of this realization of Vrindavan to everyone and to anyone. Can everyone hear? Everyone except your shop, Dave. Rishabdev is so accustomed to getting chastised for not having the volume up that he's feeling compassion upon Vaishnava. This is the nature of a devotee. Do unto others as you would like them to do to you. In the material world, when we're suffering, we want everyone to suffer along with us. Misery wants company. But in the spiritual world, when we suffer, we don't want anyone to have to go through that. That is love. Just see how the Vaishnavas are displaying these qualities, and all these practical dealings in their lives. <laughs> so Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by his infinite mercy, through the holy name of Krishna, and through his devotees, who are spreading the glories of the Holy Name, are teaching everyone how to live in Vrindavan. How to find the spiritual world of Vrindavan within their hearts. How to go to the Vrindavan Dham and actually feel the experience of Krishna's love upon them. Some people go and they see dogs and hogs and broken down temples and River Jamuna because of the Indian government putting dams on the, those damn dams on the Jamuna. When it comes to Vrindavan it's only hardly, you can, if you hardly get your feet wet. So some people, they become disappointed. But others who have the spirit of devotion, when they go to Vrindavan, they are seeing kalpa briksha trees everywhere. They are seeing beautiful, beautiful um, spiritual abodes bedecked with jewels. They see beautiful forest, peacocks, and they can feel the presence of Krishna everywhere. <coughs> this is the difference between material life and spiritual life. In material world, through our education, through our knowledge, through our expertise, we try to attain a particular position. But in spiritual life, no matter how much knowledge you have, you can never approach Vrindavan because Krishna cares nothing for your knowledge. Krishna cares nothing for your money. 
Krishna cares nothing for how strong you are, how beautiful you are, or how expert you are at whatever field of activity you are living. Krishna is concerned with one thing alone. Are you his humble, loving devotee? If you're not, billions and billions of lifetimes, you'll never understand or perceive Vrindavan. The Brahmins were expert at all these external ritualistic trades, and their wives were illiterate. The wives saw Krishna and received Krishna's divine blessings. But the husbands, they were too caught up in being learned Brahmins to humble themselves before God and be the servant. I was just telling Dr. Radha Krishna that last year I went to one village in Gujarat. I was invited to a program and the whole village they were advertising for about one week that there was going to be kirtan and discussion from Bhagavatam at this brand new temple that was built. There's only about 500 people in the village. So when I got there there was 150 people that arrived. 149 were ladies. <laughs> and the one man was carrying a baby. So I was thinking, this is sannyas life. Just traveling and preaching. <laughs> and I asked, are you all married? Yes. yes, we are all married. Where are your husbands? They are all home watching television. <laughs> Why didn't I not come? Because <coughs> religion is for the ladies of the house. They are too wise and intelligent to take part in sentimental things like this. They are too wise and intelligent to take part in philosophy. They use their very elevated masculine brains to watch television and to play cards and nice things like this. So I told them that you are more fortunate because if someone thinks they know, you cannot teach them anything. If someone accepts that I'm a fool, they could learn. Our Guru Maharaj Srila Prabhupada used to say, when you approach someone in spiritual life, you should approach them as a great fool. You shouldn't be a fool. You should not be a fool, but you should feel like a fool. If you do not feel like a fool, you are a fool. Because a fool who doesn't know he's a fool is the greatest fool. <laughs>
And there's no hope for such a person. But a person who considers himself a fool <clears throat> and seeks wisdom is wise. This is a spiritual principle. Materially, it doesn't make sense. But in the spiritual world, nothing makes sense materially. Because eternality doesn't make sense materially. Because there's no such thing here. So in this way, Vrindavan is revealed to one whose heart has learned the essence of Sanatan Dharma. And in order to learn, Krishna says, Tadvidi Pranipatina Pariprashnena Sevaya Upadekshantite Jnanam Jnaninastatadarshan If you want to know the truth, according to Krishna there's one way. According to human beings who are in the conditioned state of consciousness, there's many, many ways. There's thousands of ways, millions of ways. Everyone has their own way. Well, I believe this, and I believe this. But according to Krishna, if you want to learn the truth, you must approach a spiritual master, inquire submissively, become his humble servant. In this way, knowledge can be imparted to your heart. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained that what the Guru does is he plants the seed of devotion in your heart. But if your heart is not in this spirit of inquiring submissively and being willing to render service, your heart is like a stone. The seed, even though he puts it there, it can't grow. To the degree you are approaching in this way, to that degree your heart is like a fertile field in which the seed can grow very quickly. And ultimately, what do we want in life? When we sing this beautiful song about the major temples of Vrindavan, Jai Radhe Govinda, Jai Radha Sham Sundar, Radha Damodar, Radha Madan Mohan, Radha Raman, Radha Gokulananda, Radha Giri Dhari. These are the beautiful places where the form of the Lord is being manifested to the world through the agency of his pure devotees. And you see, by chanting these beautiful bhajans, it naturally attracts our minds to want Vrindavan, to want to experience the Vrindavan of our heart, and to want to make this world into Vrindavan for others. Therefore, our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, he explained that the preachers of this Krishna consciousness movement are not concerned with defeating people in debate, 
They're not concerned with simply establishing philosophical principles. They have only one concern, to induce people to chant the holy names of Krishna. No other reason. Because that's the only means of purifying our heart. Chanting the holy names, chanting the glories of Vrindavan. If conquering people with erudite philosophy is required, do it. For a child, if just giving them some, some prasad and telling them chant Hare Krishna, that's just as good. Whatever works. So this is very important. To learn how to absorb our consciousness in the beautiful sound vibrations of the glorification of Vrindavan Dham, where Krishna's name is eternally chanted with love and devotion. And to aspire for the Brijbasi spirit. There's a story where Rupan Sanatan Goswami, they were living in Vrindavan. They were the greatest, greatest devotees. They were so learned that they had absolutely mastered the Sanskrit language, the Arabic language, the Persian language. They were also, one of them was Prime Minister of all of Bengal. On the order of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they left everything to become sannyasis to live in Vrindavan. While they were living there, they were writing the most wonderful, beautiful, philosophical books about loving Krishna. And they were exhibiting in their own lives the most intense and highest feelings of separation and love from Krishna. Now there was one scholar of the name Rupnarayan, and he was a very proud man. His goal in life was to prove that he was the greatest philosopher and the most expert at debate in all the land of Bharat Varsha. So he traveled and he was very good. And he was conquering people. He would challenge. He went to Varanasi. He went to Badrikashram. He went to Sri Rangam. All the high seats of learning throughout India. And he found the topmost prestigious scholars. And he challenged them and defeated them all. And afterward, they had to all sign a paper that I was defeated by Rup Narayan. And he would just, everywhere he would go, he would show, you see. But wherever he'd go, he'd hear, he defeated these people, but in Vrindavan is Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami. They, if you have read their books, you have heard them speak, they are the supreme masters of wisdom. So he went. If I could conquer Rupa and Sanatan, then I will be supreme. Then no one can ever question that I am the best. So he went to Rupa and Sanatan, and he showed them the whole list of all the other scholars that he had defeated, and he said, I challenge you to a debate on scripture. 
And Rupa Goswami said, why do you want to debate us? We're just living here in the forest. We're not very intelligent. I think it would be a waste of your time. You are a great, great scholar. Look at what you've done. We admit that you're better than us. He said, oh, you admit? Do you admit that I can defeat you? Of course you can defeat us. Well, sign your name. They immediately signed their names. We were defeated. Rup Sanatan Goswami hereby certify that we were defeated by Rup Narayan. Haribo. Jai Now go, go on with your defeating business. We, we want to chant Hare Krishna. Because they were humble. They cared nothing about prestige, to prove themselves. Who cares these things? Ah, so what happened is then he heard that their nephew was upcoming and he was going to be as learned as them. So I better defeat him. Then there's no competition forevermore. So he approached Srila Jiva Goswami. Jiva Goswami was very humble. I don't want to take part in these useless debates. I mean, uh, you, do you know that I defeated your two uncles? He said, what? How can you defeat my two uncles? He said, so them signature. He became furious. He understood the humility of his uncles that they were just free from pride and prestige, so they signed their names. But this man is saying that he is better than them? He became outrageously angry. He says, I will accept your challenge. And they sat on the river Jamuna for seven days. And on the seventh day, Rup Narayan was totally annihilated by Jiva Goswami. He was defeated so drastically that he had to hide his face in shame and secretly leave Vrindavan, never to come back for the rest of his life. Now, Jiva Goswami did not in any way, shape, or form do it for his own fame. He wanted to protect the prestige of Rupa and Sanatan, his uncles. He couldn't tolerate this man saying that he was better than them. So Jiva went to Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, and said that this rascal, arrogant scholar of the Shastra, he has been defeated, and now your name is protected. And when Rupa Goswami heard this, he said, what? You mean the precious time that you have to render service to Krishna and love Krishna, you wasted it arguing with that mundane person? Simply for some prestige? You should know that anyone who has the slightest trace of attachment to prestige in this world cannot live in Vrindavan. Therefore, go. Get out of Vrindavan. You have no right to be here. So Jiva Goswami, humble Vaishnava as he was, he thought, my God, I'm really a puffed up person. And he bowed down. He said, I'm really sorry. I'll, I'll and he left. And he went to Mathura. And to atone for his offense that he accepted, he accepted Rupa Goswami's version of what happened. He fasted for one year. 
just eating a small amount once a day. He observed complete silence. He didn't feel he should even open his mouth anymore. And after a year, Sanatan Goswami, he understood what was taking place. So he approached Rupa Goswami and he said, Rupa Goswami, it is with great difficulty I have to inform you that you have departed from following one of the principal instructions of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Rupa Goswami, he was a big, big guru. If someone tells you that, usually most gurus would say, what? How can you say? I am doing everything I'm supposed to do. Because factually he was. But Rupa Goswami said, oh, there's something I'm not following. Please tell me what it is so that I can improve myself. And Sanatan Goswami began to list the principal instructions for all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Went one after another, after another, after another. Then he came to the line, Jivadoi, which means that a devotee is kind to all jivas. And when Rupa saw this, he began to smile. He says, I'm not being very kind to Jiva, am I? And then he called Jiva Goswami, please come back to Vrindavan. Vrindavan is the place where everyone is simply living to glorify Krishna. That's all. It sounds simple, but so difficult. And this is what Krishna consciousness is for. To learn how to taste the sweetness of loving Krishna, glorifying Krishna. To always dwell within the Vrindavan of our hearts and to never leave. Krishna is not different than his name. There is also a beautiful shloka describing how Krishna never leaves Vrindavan. So when we chant the holy name of the Lord in this spirit of devotion, we are in Vrindavan because we are with Krishna who never leaves Vrindavan. So tonight, the auspicious abode of Sham Sundar Prabhu, Mr. Sham Kasap, his good wife. Tonight, this place has become Vrindavan Dham because it is a place where everyone has come together to chant the holy names, to invoke the presence of Sri Krishna. And this is really the greatest joy and the greatest purpose that we could live for. And our occupations and every, all of our other worldly responsibilities that we're carrying out in this world, they should all be in pursuance of creating this atmosphere within our own hearts, within the hearts of those we love, within the world, according to our capacity. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. 
हरे राम हरे राम 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 एनी क्वेश्चन the shrimad bhagavatam when he reads the krishna book or the 10th canto of bhagavatam is he not seeing vrindavan when he hears these stories from the devotees is he not seeing vrindavan shrila prabhupad used to tell us do not see through your eyes see through your ears If you go to Vrindavan and try to see with your eyes, you'll see a very poor group of villages broken down through time. But if you see through your ears, if you hear what is the truth of Vrindavan, then you can see with that with with what you have absorbed through hearing. And factually, even if you do not go through what you have heard, you can picture that within your heart and that is vrindavan vrindavan is not limited to any geographical location if it was it would be material and of course they have new vrindavan prabhupad said it is not different than vrindavan why because it is a village where everyone is simply humbly serving krishna glorifying krishna it's the only object of everyone's attention is krishna nobody's high nobody's low everyone is simply krishna's servant hmm you have seen You see, you have seen old Vrindavan in India. You have seen new Vrindavan. Where do you see Krishna most? Where the devotees who are residing are revealing Krishna the most through their devotion. Correct? You can experience Krishna through the devotion of the people more than bathing in the rivers. the holy abode is revealed by the saintly persons the true sadhus in fact lord shri adwaita acharya told shri chaitanya mahaprabhu that 
because you are always chanting Krishna's name, your lotus feet are Vrindavan. Therefore, wherever they are stepping, that place becomes Vrindavan. In truth, not in symbolism. Wherever the feet of the great devotee who is always chanting the glories of the Lord, wherever they are placed, that in fact, in truth, is Vrindavan. And if you go to Vrindavan itself, but you don't find the feet of a great saintly person, although you're right there, it will not be revealed to you. See, Vrindavan is never created, it is revealed. And it can be revealed anywhere, at any time, by the mercy of Sri Radharani and Lord Sri Krishna, coming through their representatives on this earth. In fact, Srila Narottam Das Thakur has prayed in one song <clears throat> that it is a great symptom of ignorance that people go to holy places simply to take bath without taking advantage of the association of saintly persons. And it is described by Veda Vyas, the author of the the Vedas. He's describing in the twelfth canto the symptoms of Kali Yuga which are about to take place. And one of the symptoms is that a person goes to a holy place and travels a long, long distance just to take bath and see some sights but doesn't take advantage of associating with the saintly people. That is the symptom of Kali Yuga. And Srila Prabhupada explained to us that a person living in Calcutta, he's right on the banks of the Ganges, but he spends enormous amount of money and a time to go to Hardwar to bathe in the Ganges. Better to stay in Calcutta and associate with someone who can t reveal to you the glories of the Ganges. Therefore, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught that humbling ourselves to receive the mercy of Krishna through the great devotees of the Lord is the only means, and Krishna taught this also, of understanding the truth of Krishna. Vrindavan. And what do they teach us? How to chant the holy name. Not simply to chant the holy name, but how to chant the holy name. There's a big difference. Anyone who just says chant the holy name, they are not really necessarily Krishna's representatives. But those who teach us how to chant the holy names in a proper state of mind, they are fully representing Krishna. And through their mercy they reveal the spiritual world within our own hearts, within our own homes. 
Does this answer your question? Is there any other questions? Yes. How to chant the holy names? Trinara Pisu Nichena Turora Pisu Hishnana Amani Namani Dena Kirtaniya Sadahari. The biographer of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, says this in all the Vedic scriptures, not only the Vedas, so all the scriptures of all the religions of all the world, this verse is supreme. It is the most important. It is the essence of everything. To be more humble than a blade of grass, more tolerant than a tree, ready to offer all respect to others and expect none in return, you can chant the holy name of the Lord constantly. That is how. Of course, how to do that? That is why you need a guru. That is why you need association with people who are on that path. We must chant regularly. We must chant attentively. We must seek out as much as possible with the sense of dire urgency in our life, the association of devotees of the Lord, sincere, striving devotees. Krishna reveals himself as we approach him. If we do not understand how much we need the association of devotees, sadhu satsang, if we do not understand how much we absolutely need it more than our food or drink, then we're in great illusion. And of course, in that association, we learn how to chant in congregation. We also become more and more inspired to chant at home. If you do not properly associate with devotees, you will lose all your enthusiasm to chant even in your own home. Because Maya is so strong. Krishna, through his representatives, immune us from the effects of maya. We have to take the medicine regularly. And we must follow the regulative principles, no illicit sex, no intoxication, no gambling, no meat-eating, because these things just further infatuate our minds and our consciousness with desire to enjoy the illusions of this world and I divert our attention away from the humble chanting of the Holy Name. These are the most important things. This is the beginning. To follow these principles of purity, to associate with saintly people, to hear from them regularly, and to chant the Holy Name attentively as we possibly can. Even if we're totally inattentive, if we're at least trying to be attentive, then our chanting is perfect. According to our capacity. And that is how we advance. If you were always perfectly attentive, you wouldn't be in this material world in the first place. The fact that our mind runs here and there when we're chanting 
is natural. But if we simply try our best, God helps those who help themselves. Yes? Be humble. If you are actually humble, Krishna will reveal Guru and provide the faith that is required to serve that Guru. By the mercy of Guru, by the mercy of Krishna, we get Guru. And by the mercy of Guru, we get Krishna. We should simply keep our hearts and our minds open to learn. If someone is actually teaching according to a bona fide disciplic succession, we know that philosophically that person is not cheating us. That is why Krishna has provided this standard of disciplic succession. Otherwise anyone can say anything, show some magic tricks and make millions of disciples. That is not a guru. A guru is one who simply, like a postman, repeats the message of Krishna as it has been handed down through this great line of saints. And if that person is following according to what that ancient teaching, when I speak ancient, it's older than the oldest, but it's newer than the newest. If he is actually following, which means whatever he's doing, he's simply doing it as an act of giving to Krishna. He's not taking. Then that is a guru. And if, you're, and if you're sincere, you'll get a sincere guru. And if you're insincere, you'll get an insincere so-called guru. The most important thing is be sincere yourself. And keep your mind open and understand the need for such guidance. And let Krishna direct you. And he will. That is his promise. That is his vow. And when God makes a vow, it is absolute. Any other questions? Yes? By rendering devotional service. Just like our Gurudev told us that 99% of our spiritual advancement is through the chanting of the Holy Name. He told us to chant for three hours a day directly and then render service for the next 
12 hours. Why didn't we just chant all day? Because quality of chanting is what is most important. There must be a vow of quantity just to regulate us, but the quality is what actually attracts Krishna, not the quantity. And by rendering service throughout the day, we learn the disposition of being God's servant. And then when we chant, we're actually chanting in a proper state of mind as a servant. If you simply follow these principles attentively, then Krishna will put you in just the right situation where you will learn how to cry out the name with great intensity. You may or may not like the situation, but usually if you like it, you don't chant very intensely. Sometimes you do, but sometimes when you're in a dangerous situation, Are there any other questions? Thank you very much, Shamsundar Prabhu, for allowing us to come and meet. Shamsundar's abode here is the first and the last. <laughs> the, la the last night I was here in Bombay, we were sitting in this room chanting Hare Krishna. And the first program here in Bombay, we are sitting in this room chanting Hare Krishna. It's not an accident. There is some special divine arrangement. We also have some in between. That will be our good fortune. Hare Krishna.